I have always uh, loved to swim. Uh, ever since I was really little, my two, two of my grandsons, they, they love to swim. One of them's eight, and the other one's uh, two. He loves, he, he has no fear of the water. We have to really watch him because he, he goes right for it. In fact, this winter, he would be looking out the back window and snow on the ground, pool covered up, and he'd look at us and go, swimming? And we'd go, not today. Not today, but it's, it's coming. You know, there's two ways to get in the pool. You know that, don't you? I prefer the first way. You just jump in. Just jump in. A hot day. It, you're, it's refreshing. It's great. It's wonderful. You just jump in. Dive in. But the other way is, you know, torture. You put your foot, your feet get there, and you go a little bit farther, and then you get up to your stomach, and it's really hard, and you just kind of torture yourself, and you're susceptible to all the other people splashing you, and, you know, it's just, it's just a long, arduous way. But if you're going to enjoy the pool, you've got to get all in it sooner or later. One way or the other, you've got to get all in. And that's what we've been talking about these last few weeks is what does it mean to be as believers all in in the kingdom of God. Listen to what Jesus says once again in Matthew chapter 16. Then Jesus told his disciples in verse 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with the angels and the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Father, we thank you for your word that, we, that you have protected, you have established, given to us so that we can know how to relate to you, know about our lives. And today, Father, we just pray you would challenge us to be all in, to call us into your, into your kingdom and speak to us. By your spirit, speak to us. Any place in our life where we, we've compromised and we're not living the way you'd have us to. Father, let what is said by man today be forgotten, but let what it flows from your spirit and from your throne room and from your word, let it penetrate into our hearts and change the way we see and the way we live. Do your work in us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. If you go today to uh, Jerusalem, you find crosses everywhere on every kind of, of item. As you walk through the old city along the Via Della Rosa, you, you, the, narrow the, the streets become very narrow, they are cramped. Uh, store, the storefronts and shops are cramped together. The workers and owners many times stand out at the doorway to their shops and call you in offering you special deals on the stuff that they want to sell uh, to you. And as you go into those shops, you'll find crosses on all kinds of things, on cups, on t-shirts, on towels, on uh, just anything you can think of, they put a cross on it. They've got, you know, crosses with pins and crosses with, that are rings and crosses that are necklaces and little olive wood crosses and big crosses. All kinds of crosses. You see crosses everywhere in Jerusalem today. That would not have been the case in Jesus' day. No one was selling crosses 
on Jesus' day. No one was wearing crosses in Jesus' day. No one was honoring anyone's death on the cross during Jesus' day. See, it's, it's hard for us to imagine how shocking this statement must have been to them because we're very accustomed to the idea of the cross being a religious symbol. We're very, very accustomed to it being a symbol of the celebration of our freedom and where a price was paid for us. And we see the cross as many times as beautiful, the beautiful cross, the cross that somebody's wearing and it's bejeweled and it's beautiful, our, our cross out front and how people talk about that and the impact that it makes. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see the crosses that we have today. So it's hard to imagine that day when the cross wasn't seen that way at all. It was very simply an object of death, of pain, and suffering. And it's in that moment, in that place, that Jesus makes this draw the line in the sand kind of statement. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And yet there it was. Pick up your cross. Volunteer to die. In the most graphic terms of his day, he was saying to us, this road is tough. If you're going to be all in, there's some requirements you're going to have to meet that you may not like. This is not a social feel-good club. This is not a people who just want to kind of be decent people. This statement is framed by him telling his disciples that he is going to Jerusalem to suffer at the hands of the Pharisees, that he is going to die there for the sake of, of others. And then him telling them these words. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what, can it, what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in, all, in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Three really important truths strike us in this passage. The first one is this. Our desires, what our culture teaches us, what we think will bring us fullness of life, can actually lead us to search in the wrong places for life. The things that would drive us and the things that would entice us and the things that our flesh would want to do that we would think, boy, if I do that, I will be successful. If I do that, I will have achieved something. If I do that and achieve that, I will have gotten someplace and life will be, if I can travel there and own this and have these things in my life, then life will, be, will really be life. And Jesus says, no, no, no. This world's so upside down, it's so confusing that you can seek to save your life and lose it. But if you'll give all that up, 
if you'll surrender all that, if you'll turn from all of that and just come follow my word, come follow me, it's going to feel like you're picking up your cross. It's going to feel at times uncomfortable. But if you'll do it, that's where you'll really find life. That the way to true life is found in God's word. He goes on to say this, you can be very successful. You can become famous. You can become rich. You can become popular. You can become powerful. But if you become all of those things, if all of that happens to you, if you achieve all of those places, and if you lose your eternity, what will any of it matter? What will anything count for? It won't matter for anything. There's no comfort in anything we achieve on this earth if we're separated from God for eternity. And then he tells us this third truth. Payday is coming. Good or bad, the Father in heaven and his angels are coming someday and everything we've said and done, every action we've made, everything that's gone on in our life, good or bad, is going to have a reward or a price to pay to come along with it. We've been talking so much over the last few weeks about being all in and I, I'll tell you, I understand all-in people. I, I, I respect all-in people. A few years ago, a number of years ago now, I had the opportunity to, to occasionally spend some time with the University of Illinois Springfield professor and to speak uh, in his class. He was an all-in evolutionist. He, he believed that life was by chance. He believed that there's nothing after this life. He believed that we came out of the muck and mire of nothing and evolved into what we are today. It was his stated goal to teach evolution to students so that creation teachers would not have an impact on society. He and I had a chance to have dinner and lunch a a number of times before and after the classes that I would go in and share with him. I was in a number of his classes uh, to share my point of view And he he was a pleasant man to be around. I I enjoyed his company. He wasn't trying to embarrass me. He he didn't make fun of my beliefs. He listened and asked questions and and asked what I believed and why I believed it and and pushed me on some some thoughts and I was able to push back and he received that. Yet he had an agenda. He was all in for evolution. I liked him. Like being around him, I just disagreed with his faith in evolution. And he would disagree with my faith in God. But I can respect the fact that he was all in. I've read many articles and spoken to many people who support the homosexual agenda in America today. All in and committed to, making, to, 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 to advancing that, that agenda in, in, in our culture. I would remind you in this agenda, it's not simply a desire for acceptance and tolerance. The homosexual agenda in in America is not one that we just accept them and tolerate them. The true agenda is that we celebrate them. That's the true agenda. That you are somehow bigoted if you don't celebrate the lifestyle. Don't ever forget that. 
Some who support this idea can be very likable people to be around. Some of them can be a little uh, mean-spirited and harsh. And guess what? They would say the same about us. They would say sometimes we can be mean-spirited and harsh. See, I can understand the passion of the person who believes in that to be all into it. I can respect the fact that they're all in trying to push their agenda. Completely disagree with it. And thank God we live in a country where we can disagree. And I resist those, and I think we should resist those, who would tell us that we have to agree with their ideas even if they go against our faith. We have the right to say the truth. I get all in. What I don't get is halfway in on important issues. Now, it's okay. Listen, some people are just hard-headed. It's okay to be halfway in on some things. So you're going out to eat afterwards, you get in the car with your family after church, and somebody says, uh, where are we going to go to eat? And everybody speaks. You've got to be, be about a quarter of the way in there. <laughs> or the family's going to have a big fight every time they get in the car. You know, where do you want to go? I'd, I'd like to go here, I'd like to go there, I'd like to go to this place. Somebody's got to say, it doesn't matter to me. Somebody, somebody's got to say, what, whatever's fine. Wherever you guys want to go, I just want to be with the family today. Somebody's got to be halfway in. You're going to pick a movie out with the family on a Friday night to watch. Somebody needs to be about halfway in. Uh, it doesn't re- whatever. I'd like to watch this, but whatever. It doesn't really matter. I heard this was good, but whatever. Somebody, somebody's got to be that way. But in the important issues of life, you can't be whatever. Listen, I, when I got married, I wanted to marry a wife who would be all in for the marriage. Amen? Not halfway in, not whatever. I want them on. Policemen. I want policemen to be all in. I don't want them to, to wink at, at breaking laws. I don't want them to say not today. I want them to be all in every day. We're here to enforce the law. When a fireman comes to fire, I don't want him to look and say, well, it's a pretty hot day today. <laughs> Plus, they got this fire going on. I, I, I just don't know. No, I want him to be all in, don't you? There's something. Truth. We need to be all in about truth. Truth isn't relative. That that doesn't even make sense. Truth is truth. It's right, it's wrong. It's yes, it's no. It adds up, it doesn't add up. We've got to settle in on what is truth. What is right. Who has the right to set the boundaries? And we've got to settle it. And that's a place where we have to be all in. You you, you need to be all in on your faith, whatever your faith is. Because our faith has consequences. For that evolutionary scientist who who believes we're all in accident, his faith in that has consequences. And how he's going to live his life, what he believes at at the heartbreaking moments of life, what he believes in tragedy, how he responds to a world around him. It has consequences all through his life and all through throughout the the, the decisions that he makes every day that need to be a whatever we need to come to a point where we are all in in our faith because what we believe of that is going to determine how we live and what we believe for eternity Jesus was saying hey folks if you're going to follow me it requires being 
all in. Pick up your cross and follow me. On the first Sunday of this series, we say that it it may be the time for some of you to make a commitment to be a Christ follower. We would challenge you to take that very seriously, to think about it, to ask yourself what it means, what what kind of changes that means in your life. As you decide, I'm going to put my faith in Christ for the salvation of my soul, and I'm going to follow him as the Lord of my life. You need to weigh that out. And when you're ready to cross that line of faith, you need to step fully into it and surrender all of your life, all of your actions, all of your thoughts to saying, I want to be what Christ would have me to be. We believe that maybe there's others of you that you're, you're here maybe today. Maybe this is your first time here and you're trying to figure things out. And Who is Jesus? Did he really walk on this earth? What did he teach? What does he tell us about life? That's good. We want this to be a safe place for you to make those discoveries. We believe that if you look it over, you'll see the truth. And we believe that the Spirit of God will begin to speak to you if you're honestly seeking to know the truth. But know this. At some point, following Christ requires dying to yourself and following him. It means giving up what you've held on to as right or as wrong and saying it's all now going to be submitted through the lens of his word to do what's right. In the book, Not a Fan, the author tells about John Oros, a a church leader in the Romanian church during the communist era. I'm old enough to remember that time uh, when the Iron Curtain was still up and the communists uh, ruled in Eastern Europe so ruthlessly at times. We were there in Poland, a a group of us went to Poland behind the Iron Curtain to work with the church in Poland a number of years ago, again, before the Iron Curtain fell. And we would, as we would go into churches and work with the pastors there, they would talk to us about what we were going to say. And they would talk to us about the freedom that we have to say things in America that they don't have there, especially if things had any kind of leaning towards political things. And they would, they would just say to us, look, talk about Jesus, glorify Jesus, don't talk about politics. They would say, we know there are informers, spies that sit in our services. We don't know who they are. But if we say anything that goes down any of those lines at all, we get called in and questioned. Somebody's talking about us. John talks about, he says, during the communism, many of us preached and people came at the end of the service and they said, I have decided to become a Christian. And we told them, It is good that you want to become a Christian, but we would tell you that there is a price to be paid. Why don't you reconsider what you want to do? Because many things can happen to you. You can lose, and you can lose big. John said that a high percentage of them chose to take a part in a three-month class to better understand the decision they were making to become a Christ follower. At the end of this period, many participants declared their desire to be baptized. And he says, typically I would respond, it's really nice that you want to become a Christian, but when you give your testimony, there will be informers here who will jot your name down. Tomorrow, the problems will start. Count the cost. Christianity is not easy. It's not cheap. 
You can be demoted. You can lose your job. You can lose your friends. You can lose your neighbors. You can lose your kids. You can even lose your life. See, at that point in time and in many parts of the world today, if you cross the line to become a Christian, there is an upfront, in your face risk to your life and your future and your family for crossing that line of faith. In America today, we have these great freedoms where we can come into a place like this and people can be baptized and nobody's jotting their name down and sending them down to the police station today. Nobody's letting anybody at any office building know, you know what happened at Calvary today? So-and-so got baptized. Better disbar them or take, get, kick them out of their job or demote them. And that's not happening to anybody today. We have these great freedoms. The problem with that is this. Our crossing the line of faith can be so easy that we try to cross it with all our junk. We try to cross it and live the way we've always lived and be what we've always been. And I I just want to lovingly tell you, Christ doesn't accept those kind of followers. He says, pick up your cross and follow me. As a youth pastor, there was a single mom who brought brought her kids to our church and and introduced me to them. She talked to me later that week. They'd been they'd really been starting to give her some trouble. They, they began, began to do some things that she was very, very concerned about. And so she was looking for a church with a youth group that heard about ours and brought them. She wanted to hang out with some good kids and be around some kids that wouldn't do those kind of things. And, and so she brought them to our church. They, and we were, we were glad to welcome them in. And they were, they were sharp kids. They were fun kids to be with. And uh, they came in, it wasn't long until they gave their hearts to Christ. And, and things went, went great for a while. Then about a year and a half into it, the boy, the oldest boy, began to express a calling to be a pastor. He began to talk about going to Bible school and going into the ministry. It was shortly after that that I got a call from her that they wouldn't be back. And these are the words she said. She said, I want them to be good kids, but I don't want them to be radical. Well, let me tell you, friends, radicals required. Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Come, come and be, be transformed. What you're doing, the way you've been living, it's messed up. It's, it's destroying the earth. It's destroying friendships. It's destroying relationships. Come, follow me. I'm going to help you find life to the full. You're going to have to give some things up. What you think is right isn't right. What you think is going to give you life isn't going to give you life. What you think works really doesn't work. What you think is a prize really isn't the prize. You're going to, it's going to feel painful at times, but when you give them up, that's when you're going to find life to the full. That's when it's going to work. So, so let, me, let me lovingly say to you today, if you're just looking for some self-help classes, if you're just looking for some nice people to hang out with, if you're just checking off your religious to-do list by coming to church on Sunday, we, we love you. 
But Calvary is probably not the place for you. See, we're going to call you to be all in. We're going to call you to pick up your cross and follow him. We're going to call you to lay down things that the Bible says is sin. And we're going to call you to live in a way that God says is righteous. We're going to look at you and tell you that what the culture says when it says something is right that the Bible says is wrong. We're going to say, we're going to resist that. And when the Bible is saying something is, uh, the culture is saying something is right and this culture is saying don't live that, we're going to say, we got to live that way anyway. Because the Bible's our standard for faith and conduct. Jesus is who we follow, not our culture. So just, just let me tell you as straight as I can today, as straight as I can. We, we had a family attend our church. They attended our church for quite a while, probably three or four or five years. Back at the first of the year, they just disappeared off the face of the earth for us. We called them. We tried to reach out to them. We, we got to hold them a few times, and it was always pretty passive conversations. And, and we actually saw through some social media things, some things they were participating in and celebrating. And, and we kind of ran, one of, some, one of our staff ran across them and kind of challenged us. We've been missing you. What's happening? What's going on? And the person said, well, you know, we've really decided that, you know, we're probably a little more liberal in some areas than you are. And, and the seminary said, well, you know, we noticed on Facebook. And they said, yeah, yeah, we just want to fit. And, and we're just trying. And, and our response is, we're not trying to fit in with the world. We're trying to fit in with the kingdom of God. We're not trying to be like the world. We're trying to be like Jesus. We're not trying to be formed in the image of the world. We're trying to shine in the darkness. Do we love people? Yes, we want to love people. But the best way to love people is tell them the truth. Amen. Listen, uh, just, just as straight as I can. You're welcome to come put your, your toe in the water and check it out and begin to learn about everything. We're glad you're here. But if you've made up your mind, you're going to be like this world and you're going to live like this world and you're not, you're not going to be a full-fledged follower of Christ. You're going to excuse some of the things the Bible says. You're going to get really uncomfortable around here. And as much as we love you, we're going to challenge you because we love you. If, as straight as I can, if your faith is not costing you something, if you're not having to resist the flesh from time to time, if there's not a battle with temptation in your life that goes on almost daily, if you get along with everyone, whether they live for God or don't live for God and never feel the pressure to conform into what they believe to the standards and the teaching of today, if you don't feel the cultural resistance to our beliefs, if you don't feel them and sense them when you listen to the news and watch TV and read a magazine and maybe talk to your friends that don't 
go to church at all, if you don't feel the uneasiness of being compelled to do things, to say something outside of your comfort zone, to worship, to pray, to read the word, to give, to live a holy life, to be a witness. If you don't feel the uneasiness of being compelled into holy lifestyles, if you can do what you've always done and fit in where you've always fit in, you're most likely not doing it right. You're most likely, you're not all in. And most likely, your cross is still sitting on the ground. Because when you pick up that cross, there's going to be some price to pay with it. You're going to have to go against some things. And I want to challenge you today. Don't, when you feel that resistance, when you, if, if you're sensing those, those things, if it's hard sometimes, if living for God is difficult sometimes, if your, your flesh wants to give in to the old you, if, if at times you want to give in to the pressure of your friends and the, the things that are going on, and at times you say, boy, it'd just be easier if we didn't make such a big deal out of that. If you're feeling that pressure, if at times you're feeling, wow, this is a sacrifice. It costs me something to be a follower of Christ. There's a, there's a price to pay. If at times you're feeling pushed, you're feeling cornered, you're feeling like, wow, this is demanding. This is demanding. I've actually had people tell me, oh, the church is too demanding sometimes. I'm going, no, we're not demanding enough. We need to be full-fledged followers of Christ. All in, after him. If, if, you're not, if you're feeling pushed and challenged and it's unsettling sometimes, rejoice for great is your reward in heaven. When that day comes, when the Father comes with his angels and he sets up judgment on this earth, you're in the right place. You've crossed the right line. You're, the rewards are coming your way. So be faithful. Don't give up. Listen, there's a temptation of preachers. Preachers like, you know this, preachers like to be liked. We like people to come. You know, we count heads. Who's here, who isn't here? We send you notes when you're not here. We want you to be here. And there's a temptation that I think a lot of churches fall into Let's just say things that make everybody want to come. Let's say things that make everybody happy every week. Let's, say th let's give them 10 steps to do this and 3 steps to do that and 15 steps to do this that everybody go, oh, I feel so good today. Sometimes we need to feel bad. Sometimes, sometimes we need to look at our life and say, wait a second, I I I'm supposed to be a follower of Christ. Sometimes. Sometimes we need to understand we're in a battle. So, I'm just loving to tell you, there's a lot of churches, if you want to hit 10 steps and 3 steps and 15 steps and you want to get stroked on the back every day and told you're the greatest thing that ever walked and if you do this, you'll even be greater. You'll probably get uncomfortable here from time to time. We do think you're great. We do love you. We do think you can get greater. 
But you've got to die to yourself to get there. You've got to be a full-fledged follower of Christ to get there. And that costs. There's times when your family doesn't like it. There's times when your friends reject you over it. There's times when you may have to sit and say, you know what, if that's what it takes to get that sale, if that's what it takes to get that, that contract, that's not what I am. That's not who I am. I'm first and foremost and always a follower of Christ. I've picked up my cross and wherever he leads me, I'm going to follow. Because friends, if you lose your life, that's when you'll find it. Let's stand together, Dan. Let's pray. Father, you know how much I love the people that come here today, and I'm so grateful that they're here. But Lord, I, I put my head on the pillow at night, and you know, Lord, I fear, I fear that we don't, when we don't know the truth. And so, Lord, with all the love in my heart, I can tell them, I want to tell them, pick up their cross. So right now, Lord, would you do a work in our lives? Would you speak to us today, Lord, please, to every individual heart? And Lord, if there's some place in our life where we're still being formed in the image of the world, if there's some place where we're giving in, if there's some place where we're compromising the standard so that it's more comfortable for us, instead of living in a way that's pleasing to you and all in for you, would you speak to individual hearts right now, please? Father, this week, as we walk through our workplace, as we walk through our homes, as we walk through our lives, Father, we invite you to convict us. We invite you to speak to us. And we just lay our hearts before you right now to say all in. Lord, I, I, my hope would be that every person in this room would hear this and say, I want to be all in. For Lord, we want, to this is the most, we want to challenge them to find what you have for them. So Lord, today in Jesus' name, speak to our hearts. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around for just a moment. Just as a signifying statement to your flesh a signifying statement to the heavenlies around a, a clear statement to our father in heaven if you'll say to him today here I am I want to be all in just take both your hands and just lift them to the Lord and say I surrender everything to you Everything is yours right now in Jesus' name. Lord, you see our hands. In our frailty, in our faults, in our confusion, in the way that the society's influenced and touched us, we know we don't always even comprehend what all that means. But today, Lord, we say we want to be all in. We want to be yours. And as a church, Lord, we want to be all in. We don't want to be a social club. We don't want to just be the, a feel-good place. We, we want to... We want to have a great time relationally. We want, to, we want to feel good. But Lord, we also want to do your work. And we know that's the most important thing. 
So Lord, bless these men and women who raise their hand today and show them your way each and every day. In Jesus' name. And Lord, if there's anyone here today who needs to cross the line of faith, they've considered it, they've heard your spirit call them. Lord, we know it's not the position of our anatomy, it's the condition of our spirits and our hearts. I pray that even right now at this moment, that they would step across that line of faith fully, leaving everything behind that needs to be left behind to receive your son and faith in their life and become a follower of Christ. In Jesus' name.